Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. I want people to believe in me, and I want people to believe in me when they taste my beer. That's what it's about. You mean you laid underneath it and tried to put his tongue up the bung? (laughs) I like to actually scoop up the yeast Uh and look at it. 7 o'clock came real early that next morning. Yeah, man. Thanks for dumbing that down for us. You did an awesome job. It's all about food and beer. Punch me in the junk. Man, that thing was thick. The point is just beat it like it's your dick. I like to smell it afterwards. (laughs) Are you being sarcastic right now? No. Bring your body armor. I ran into my jungle once on a ball valve on a kettle. That's a true happy now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the session, everybody. The Monday session, formerly the Sunday session. Uh, you know, but uh, who lives in the past, right? When you have the present and the future, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, Sundays were terrible, weren't they? I'd always come in half-baked, right? Well, I'm half-baked. right. But, I mean, I'd be like a long day out doing stuff, and then all like, of a sudden I have to show up here and do the show. Apart. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was annoying for sure, but then it's like, well, well Monday I got to, I don't know. For some reason, Mondays feel dirtier. Is it? I don't know why. I honestly. I, I, school night or something? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do miss the chat interaction, uh, but I also oh, like the, uh, the the weekend. I like having the weekend. Yeah, yeah, so it's very much this catch 22. Yeah, yeah. I think all in all, I do like Mondays better. I don't know for. Well, since yeah. most people listen, you know, delayed anyway, so they can, they can listen to it Sunday nights if they like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyway, this is the session, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever day of the week you're listening <laughs> yeah, you to it. Change the name. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's funny, when we first started the Brewing Network, podcasts were just kind of a new th- a new thing. <laughs> exactly. And you really, it really mattered, I think, when you were on and when yeah. you released your show. But now it doesn't matter. People think, I thought they had to listen live. They didn't realize podcasts are exactly the opposite. If we're yeah. not listening live. Yeah, and there's so many apps and aggregate apps now, it it kind of has, like, taken away the barrier of complication to listening to the shows. And so now it's like, well, like, I listen to to, um, a very few podcasts because I kind of don't like them. Um, And uh, there's one that's a Canadian one. It's like True Crime. And it's called Someone Knows Something. And it's 
it's like the most Canadian thing in the entire universe because the guy, the host, is like super polite. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's he's super polite, right? But. He's also overly verbose and overly descriptive, and it's I, I, I kind of get I'm kind of tired of it. I was like, That's, oh my god! But your point, yeah. But and, and that one has seasons, and it's I'm on oh. season three, but they've already done like season five or whatever. And I don't listen to it. I maybe listen to it a couple times a month. Oh. Actually, when I'm driving home from here is the only time I listen to it. Is it you have to follow it on? Is it serial kind of thing? Where you yeah. Have to know what's going on? To... Yeah, well, it's, every season is different, know, so they tackle like season. a different case. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you can jump in to season three in the middle and you won't know what the hell's going on. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, that, that show, our show is, is not like that. You can kind of no, just jump in whenever you want. And pretty so, much. There's some inside jokes and stuff, but other than that. Yeah, but you know what? Those have are gotten few and far between no, yeah, also. Not, yeah, we've kind of jumped a short on yeah, I think we, we've yeah we've done it all. There's nothing something left. Or didn't stick or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that didn't stick, but uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, uh, we do have Mitch Steele, the great Mitch Steele, yeah, on from his brand new brewery, New Realm Brewing, in Hotlanta, right? Hotlanta. All right. He was supposed to be on last week, <laughs> so we're supposed to have a show last week. Um, and I guess he ate the ass out of a cow or something happened. I don't know what happened. And, and he got food poisoning. Was, Bev looked at me like I spit in church or something. Um, anyway, he got food poisoning, and the guy was out for like four days. He was just gone, man. And he was supposed to fly. He was supposed to be in studio. Yeah, he's supposed to be sitting right next to us right now. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, you know, we, we let him off the hook. Yeah. And then now this show, um, he's on the phone. Be on but, the phone tonight. Yeah, but at least I think he's retaining fluids, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so I think he's all right. So we're going to talk Good. to him. Um, he sent me a literally tasty a ton of beer. I mean, not well, literally. I but did the math. Sometimes there's four or five of us sitting here. I mean, it's... Uh, we need that much beer. It's so much beer. He sent two six-packs, each are different. And then, what, eight crowlers, Bev? Oh, wow. Yes. Eight crowlers. Oh, I just guessed. That's cool. You are correct. Eight crowlers. That's ten We're beers. We're and it's only Tasty Night. Warren is off somewhere. Uh, you know, Warren's in Hawaii. Warren's in Hawaii. Yeah, you got volcano gotta, do something. Yeah, he's running after a volcano. <laughs> That's right. He's got. He's got to live the life. Warren versus the volcano. Um, <laughs> And that's it. I guess that's really the only person we're missing is yeah, Warren. Yeah, Warren. Well, and Justin. Justin's but somewhere. No, Justin's aunt passed away. Justin oh. had a thing, yeah. She was 103, though. So he was she like... She had a good life. She had a good <laughs> life, man. If I could live to 103, that'd be great. Give me 90 and You'll be all right. I don't think I want to live to 103. I don't know. There's a lot of video games that are going to be coming oh, out gosh. that are really cool. Yeah, but your <laughs> hands are going to be so <laughs> riddled with arthritis. You'll be able to play. VR, dude. Yeah. Come on, the neural no, uplink, my neural stem, yeah. you know? You don't have a neural. <laughs> You're a neural. Anyway, so that's why Jay's not here. That's why you got me, and uh, I will be your host for the show, and we're going to... Tasty, do you want to run through all 10 beers? Because it's just you and me, we're doing samples, and it's a no, crowler, so it's what, 16, 32 ounces? What are those, So there's 10, then there's two six-packs, there's 12 different beers? No, no, there's... Um, there's eight crowlers and two six-packs, so there's 10 different do, beers. No, there's not. There's... He sent eight crowlers, but only four of them. Like, they're doubled up. Got it. Right. Four, so there's... So it's important two. information. There are six beers. Oh. Cool. Oh, well, then that's fine. We got that. We just have to make sure we get them lined up here. Yeah. And I have an order that we are going to be drinking them in. Nice. 
good. So oh. we're ready to we're go. We're well prepared. All right. I don't know how many there are. Well, <laughs> I don't know how well we're, 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 we're prepared. We did this before the show. No, we should. No, it's fun to do it right now. Yeah. Why not, man? Let's just do it. Eh, whatever. We'll get it. run this thing. <laughs> we'll get it done, man. Yeah. We'll get it done. Steer um, all right. Let's go through some feedback. Tacey, what do you think? Oh, <laughs> Actually, uh, first. I, I say I don't know. Pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first, uh, this show is, of course, brought to you by the fine people at morebeer.com. More Beer have teamed up with the great John Palmer, I'm sure we've heard of him a couple of times, uh, to make 27 beer kits based on the recipes found in Brewing Classic Styles, written by John Palmer and, of course, Jamal. These kits are true to style and are all within BGCP guidelines, enabling them to be easily entered into that upcoming competition you probably have on the horizon there. If you buy two kits, or buy two kits and get fast and free shipping from morebeer.com, so you you style hounds like me, um, you can just go make the kits. Morebeer makes it easy for you. So check it out, morebeer.com, 27 two-style beer kits. That's hard to do. Excellent. Okay, here we go. This one is all the way from Sydney, Australia. Tasty. It's written by Andrew, and he says, Good day, Sessioners. During the recent conversation with Dave Marliave, you guys mentioned about how you don't want to see a focus on a single style. And that made something clear for me. Focus on any single style is dangerous for independent brewers because that is what allows large companies to appear, quote, artisanal. Large companies will always be able to efficiently churn out a recipe and crush small business in that environment. The advantage of small business is the ability to iterate and innovate. (laughs) I was like, did he misspell? Uh, The question now is whether the average punter cares. As a home brewer, I find the recent conversations you've had that focus on the beer industry rather than breweries to be very interesting, including Dave in the episode about beer law. It's great to hear from breweries and listen to you all taste their beer, but discussing practical issues sounds boring, but is quite interesting to those of us who don't work in the industry. Thanks for the regular entertainment mixed with some information and picking on Beardy. Cheers from Andrew. Now, you weren't, you weren't here for here that. I wasn't here for them, uh, Dave's. It was a good show. It was all about distribution and essentially how if you sign up with a distributor in uh, Oregon, for sure, and probably California as well, they own your rights. Oh, yeah. They own your brand well, rights in, in perpetuity. Yeah, yeah, franchise law, yeah. And just how nobody's really doing anything about it in the industry. Uh, it's not fair. They could do, your distributor could do a lousy service for you. They could just ignore you and just be terrible at it. You can't yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Which doesn't seem, it doesn't seem legal, doesn't seem fair. No, it's like a fair market if you can't shop it around anytime you want. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was a good show. So check that out. And then Dave was like emailing me. He was like forwarding me a bunch of emails that he oh. got from other brewers yeah. and other people in the industry thanking him for the good information and, and saying like, uh, it's about time someone's actually standing up and saying this kind of stuff that we've been kind of just we have no you know funnel to scream into kind of a thing yeah. uh no bullhorn necessarily but this is what brewers have been dealing with for years yeah, sure. so hopefully well, something happens we've, about we've it we've done a couple of shows on the business side of, uh, of craft beer yeah it seems like it's being well received yeah for sure you need to find more smart people right uh this is from sam not beb sam which i would love to get a feedback email from sam he doesn't listen to the show. I know. Well, neither do I. Be but better. Yeah, I think it'd be good. I want Sam just to write a weekly email to feedback, like just what it, what just his thoughts on any topic, any given topic. <laughs> you get those already. They're called the spam of the week. 
I am lucky for meeting hot women. <laughs> that would be his email. Uh, good evening, brewcasters. I was listening to the archive and rediscovered the homebrewed chef podcast. This was a great show talking about how to make great food with and pairing with beer. Restarting this show would be great. Sean is probably too busy being a superstar, but a show with an innovative chef and a master Cicerone would be a great addition back to the BN. Heads and Tails is great, even though it stars JP and Beardy. Keep up the great work, and I'll see you in Portland. I agree. Homebrew Chef was cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Sean got real busy, and we just, he just couldn't yeah. commit. And I know he's doing... Doesn't he have hot sauce out or something like that? Got now? A product. I haven't seen much about it lately. But yeah. Maybe just because he was introducing it when I saw it the first time. I don't know what the status of that product is. Okay. Interesting. And he still does his website and all that stuff. Yeah, he re- he redesigned his website yeah. actually too. So check that at homebrewchef.com. Yeah, I think there's some products there too. Yeah. Check it out. Sean was a good dude, man. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, you know. We should get it done. Uh, we could, could go on like a. Five episodes in one evening. It's just getting to a stopping, starting, stopping point. It was a hard part. Well, right, because it was. It, I a couple times tried to produce that show, and it was yeah. like, okay, we have an hour, and we're on an hour and forty five minutes, and it's like halfway through his itinerary, and like you can't, we just can't. Um, put this in a box of some sort. <laughs> I mean, that's not why you know he. No, he, no, no. Yeah, he, no. we stopped because he got real busy. Never but, got around. Yeah, yeah. Any time they would, they would have figured that out. Yeah, and you know what? I know we talked about it before. I know Jay's been talking to Sean a little bit about uh, getting it back up every now and then, but I, I don't know the status of it. It would be cool. You're right, Sam. So I appreciate you giving the love, and I'll, I'll pass that on to Jay and let him know that people are, uh, yeah, are asking for it. Here's the last one, which always makes me sad, the last feedback. Um, it's from Paul. He says, hey, asshats. Well, I finally signed up for a monthly donation start as a corporal in the BN Army. I'm an American living in Germany and found you guys a while ago and have been working through the archives. Great information, but even better entertainment. Wow. I don't even know. I don't think you're accurate on either one of those, but uh, <laughs> keep up the good work and hope the monthly donation helps to keep the thing going. Just the thing. Nothing. Yeah. Whatever the thing is. Uh, my only suggestion is that Justin needs to go to listen some of the early sessions before they were the session and try to rediscover his enthusiasm for the show. I know it will never happen, <laughs> but I had to try. Suck it, JP. Paul. Uh, I know Jay is enthusiastic about the show. You know, I know for a bit there uh, he wasn't, and he's. We talked about that on the show, so it's not. I'm not saying anything out of school, but uh, don't worry about Jay. He's all right, and uh, you know we got some good things coming up for you on the Brewing Network. From what I understand, I don't know. There's some stuff on the website about. Oh, he's doing a lot of stuff. Shows, he's got, so. a YouTube, got a YouTube channel now. Check out that stuff. You can see a lot more of that. Wait, he's, he's got a YouTube channel. Yeah, the, the Brewing Network does. Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah he's putting a lot of stuff out there. That's going to be his uh, his motorhome trip. It's going to be a lot of YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah, for sure. We got a lot of stuff coming from Jay, Jay centric content coming up after NHC. So that'll be cool. I'm sure he'll talk about it on the next uh, on the next show. Before we get too far afield, the Suds Duds Society is a brewery T shirt membership where members receive a T-shirt, a promo item, like a bottle opener or a koozie or whatever, and a homebrew recipe from a different brewery each month. Small independent breweries throughout the U.S. will be chosen for excellence in the craft. A portion of each membership will go to the highlighted brewery and to sponsor a local homebrew club in their area. Join the society by going to sudsdudssociety.com and use promo code BNARMY at checkout to receive your discount. Support small beer one tea at a time. I like it. I like Suds Duds. Seems like a really cool Great thing, name. man. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. 
You know what I don't enjoy though? I shouldn't say I don't enjoy it anymore. I, I, I've been having a hard time with my kid. Oh, what do you mean? Like sleeping and stuff well, like that. Normal, yeah. <clears throat> is it? I don't know. I think as like a parent, you, you when your kid squirts out, you're like, this is going to be the most idyllic child sure. you've heard of them. ever created. But you've heard of the other type, too, that are a problem. Right. I've, you know, you'd like to get somewhere in between. You'd settle for that, right? I would settle. Well, now I would. Oh. No, but before, before, like, before she had, I don't know, the first, like, four seconds of life, you know, that shone down upon her, I was like, oh, this is this is the perfect, you know, whatever. And then now everything just kind of degrades and degrades. Okay. Um, no, it's fine. She's great. Uh, yeah. But she's been, like, for the last week and a half, she's not taking naps. She'll take like 45 minute half hour naps and it just drives you up the wall, man. And I don't know. Uh, she's sleeping all night then? She's sleeping sort of through the night. We got her on a weird schedule. So, like, we'll put her down. It's called Eat, Wake, Sleep for you new parents out there. Check it out. Google that. And it's uh, basically you, you wake them up at like 7 oh, in the morning. Wake you wake them up at uh, 7 in the morning, feed them, and keep them up for an hour, and you put them to bed. And then you wake them up at 10. Sounds like my, per- my schedule. <laughs> Someone wakes you up, changes you. Well, I wake you. myself up early, yeah. and then I go right, eat and go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good program. That's a good program. And then so you, you basically repeat that throughout the day, oh. and then at between 7 and 8, you put her down for, for the night. night. And then it's supposed to train her to kind of sleep through the whole night. So now she'll, she'll from like 8 o'clock, she'll be sleeping from like 8 at night to about 4 or 5 in the morning. It's pretty good. Almost all the way through. Actually, the other that night, she slept through the night, through the entire night. No feeding through the night or anything. That's good. I mean, that means each both of you can get a good night's sleep if you have to go to bed early. And that's why they do it. Yeah, that's why they, uh, yeah. that's why they do it. But, uh, well, what's the downside? Well, that sounds great to me. The most frustrating thing about, about for, for me, about being a... Okay, so... <clears throat> Working by yourself, you can probably relate maybe to this because you, you do a lot of remote work and stuff, right? Sure. Yeah. For me, working kind of by myself, oh. which I don't really consider this, you know, a, a, an office where you go in every day and you interact with the secretary or, uh, you know, whatever, the copy lady or whatever. If you point to me again, <laughs> I what? swear to you, I will throw this pen at you. Just a token office worker. Yeah, right. Just a token office worker. I have to get up. I know. Um, You you have different interactions with people, and it kind of like keeps your personal interactions like at a at a higher level, right? Um, But when you're working from from home, when you're working for yourself, excuse me, you you kind of are used to a certain way of solving problems, and not many problems come up, so you're not really used to it or whatever. So when the kid's like crying and, you know, her eyes get red and baggy, they get baggy when she's tired, but she'll fight it. She'll like stretch her eyelids to the point where they open and she'll just open them and she needs to be awake. And it's like fighting fighting sleep. She's fighting sleep. And so you got to drive that pacifier in her mouth and then smash her face against your chest to like keep Uh, it in and pat her butt until she stops crying and then goes to sleep. And it's like... Doing that for 25 minutes, man, with a screaming, I can't, it, it breaks. That's not part of your normal work. No, and so I get mad and frustrated because I don't know how to solve that problem. Yeah. Children are a problem without a solution. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they, yeah. Have, they have their thing. Yeah, they need attention. Uh... Yeah, and just, anyway, it drives me nuts, man. But um, the other day she shit all over Taryn. Like, that's, like literally, like, diarrhea shit on her and not me, and I felt really good about that. Yeah. Wow. So I thought I'd try that. That happens all the time, as I understand it. 
Yeah, it happened to me once, like a little bit, but and then you yeah. know the, the whole thing when you're like changing the diaper and people go, oh, yeah. careful because they're gonna pee real fast. I don't the, with girls, it's just the way their equipment is, it's different. I don't yeah. really care because she ends up peeing on herself. She plays herself. She just I go, well, there you go. You pissed yourself, dummy. Didn't do anything to me. No, it's the boys. Yeah. Aiming device. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know. That's my. Uh, That's your life. That's my life right now. Waking up kids and and blowouts, dude. Um, okay, I'll tell you what. We're gonna take a quick break. It's probably gonna be like three minutes, and eh, maybe we'll put a song on. We'll see. I don't know. Anyway, and then when we come back, we're gonna have the great Mitch Steele on, and he's gonna tell you all about what's happening down at New Realm Brewing. We're gonna drink a bunch of beers, catch up with Mitch, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of this break. Hang tight. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications. With more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer. For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus. And Radical Brewing, Recipes, Tales, and World-Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications. All the best on beer and brewing. You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Hey, thanks for hanging out, everybody. 
Before we get to Mitch here, I do want to tell you guys about White Labs. They just released a mobile app. Whether you're a home brewer searching for your next strain or professional placing an order, White Labs mobile app has something for everyone. Key features include an easy-to-navigate ordering system, custom culture calculator to determine appropriate pitch rates, homebrew store locator, up-to-the-minute inventory availability, and more. You can download the new White Labs mobile app for iPhone or Android by searching White Labs in the App Store. Do it for the culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> got to do it for that culture. Get the culture. Keep it going. Keep it alive. <laughs> and the culture. Uh, speaking of that, man, NHC's coming up, and I'm oh, yeah. I'm pretty pumped about it. You honestly, do? I get to go, be there a little late, be there Thursday. Well, that's not late. It starts at noon. Are you not going to be there right at noon? Or? I don't know. Well, usually, like, look, Portland, yeah. I love, so I would normally be there like Tuesday. That's what I'm doing Tuesday. But uh, I can't necessarily. I don't. I feel uncomfortable leaving Taryn alone with the kid. I get it. So uh, you know, I'll be there Thursday and uh, hopefully drink a bunch of Rainier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are the old days. It's all been changed by. What do you mean? Well, I mean, they still have that. Yeah. yeah. It's, a I mean, it's, other it's brewed in L.A. Yeah. But um, our... it's still good. No, man, last time when I was in Portland a couple months ago, that's all I drank. I didn't drink a craft beer. Really? I had one craft beer. It was a pale ale, but it was hopped like a fucking IPA, and it was pale as a pilsner. And I'm like, this is, what, this is terrible. I'm going back to Rainier. No, no. And cocktails. Pale ale is a balanced style. It's, it's been, that's it's what I think, too. Yeah. Speaking of balanced styles, Mitch, are you on the phone, my friend? I am. How you doing, dude? I'm great. How are you, JP? I'm good. I'm good. Of course, we have Tasty. I'm sure you met him a couple times. You. <laughs> hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. Missed you last week. Yeah, how you feeling, dude? What happened? Uh, I am better. I got laid up for about five days. I, I haven't gotten like this in years. Oh, man. So... Yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> Literally, I mean that's uh, <laughs> that sounds terrible, man. Well, I'm glad. Well, you're yeah, fe- kind of. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, you know, it's always good to have you in the studio. But uh, if we can't get that, well, phone calls phone calls just as good, man. So I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so before we get into New Realm and all that, I do kind of want to update everybody and kind of just go through your, you know, your 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 history. You you were brewing at. Um, let's see, I had it right here. Uh, do me a favor. Before AB, who are you? Who are you with? San oh, I was with uh, San Andreas Brewing Company down in Hollister, Hollister, California. There we go. And then, and then you left there. You went to Anheuser Busch, and then of course you left uh-huh. there, and you went to Stone, and then you left there, and then you just started started New Realm. Did you, you know, take like a walkabout for a couple of years and, and find yourself, or what? Uh, where has Mitch been <laughs> since uh, since you know his last brewing gig? Uh, I, I, the day I left stone, the next day I started with new realm. I, I didn't take any time off. Oh, it's, wow. uh, yeah, bad call. <laughs> I probably could have used a month or two to, to actually, uh, do a little soul searching and stuff, you know, like everybody, you know, raves about doing, but I, I didn't do it. I uh, just jumped right in and, uh, we, we've been planning this thing since July of 2016 and, oh, wow. uh, finally got it open in January. Of this year, right? Of 18. Yes. That's how long yes. it takes, I guess, to do it right. I mean, and I've seen photos well, on your website. You, you, you kind of did it right. You did a really nice job. That is a stylish, stylish place you got there. Well, thank you. Yeah, I. you know, that's something that 
that we all wanted to do was do something really nice and uh, and and do it right and and take our time and and make sure everything was the way we wanted it to be. And I got you know really nice uh, brewing equipment and a really nice brewery that we're working out of here. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Nice. And and if I remember my beer news correctly, isn't that the old Green Flash Brewery or something? No, actually, um, so we built, uh, we, we got an empty building here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and we, uh, we built this thing from the ground up. So it was, it was in essence a shell. Uh, we put in floors, we put in drains, we added some walls, we added, uh, uh, you know, everything, all the infrastructure for the building and, and just built it from, from zero basically. Um, the green flash building is something that came up very recently uh, when they when they shut that down and put all the equipment up for auction we uh, we jumped into that and we bought that and and that's in Virginia Beach Virginia and we are in the process of trying to get permitting for that right now so that we can start brewing there but we did that because we were already looking to be out of capacity in Atlanta and we didn't uh, we didn't want to be shorting people beer. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that. Um, okay. So I thought that you were maybe take their equipment and brought it back to Atlanta or whatever, but you're, that was your, that was your foray into, into a second location. Exactly. That's cool, man. Of course, that was your plan, right? I mean, or maybe it was the original plan, but your plan became, we needed to open a satellite brewery because we're not, we're not going to be able to provide our tap room and the city with all the beer that they want. Yeah, it was it was our long term plan. We we knew from the get go that oh. we would not be able to brew enough beer in Atlanta uh, to supply all the beer that we could sell. And so, you know, we had kind of a three or four year plan to maybe maybe build a production brewery, and that was rushing up on us pretty quickly when oh. this opportunity came up. And and so we just we said, well, we've got we've got good investors, and they saw it as a great opportunity to you know, get what we needed at a fraction of the cost, even though it was a year or two too early. Yeah, well, that's going to pay off in the long run, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, so you yeah, you're, it's been a crazy few months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're in permitting. So, I mean, obviously, the flight, that brewery is already permitted to begin with. So it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel there necessarily, right? With the city. Well, from a permitting standpoint, we have to get we have to get federal permitting, state and local permitting, just like we were starting from zero. Like a real thing, yeah. Um, hmm. And, and even wastewater discharge, we had to get permitting for. We had to redo everything. So, uh, yeah, it's um, the nice thing about it is the brewery has been running for two years. Uh, it was staffed with a, a really good group of people. And, um, you know, once we get the permitting, we can flip a switch and go. So uh, that's that's really great. But, oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the permitting piece was is still kind of a pain in the butt it's out of your control yeah. that's tough yeah because normally yep. when you get a when you get a new system in or whatever you have to what run test batches and figure out your yield and do all the kind of find out the nuances right right but now yeah. you don't have to do that because everybody you know everybody they already knows it all <laughs> yeah i mean you know the um you know the uh, evan chamberlain who was the head brewer there we we offered him a job to stay on and he's he's staying on and he knows how that brewery runs backwards and forwards so yeah, you know excellent. we yeah. just kind of threw some recipes his way and he looked at him he goes yeah this, this is not too different than what we were already doing so <laughs> we know exactly what how to do this that's great great move yeah so you, you're gonna yeah. flip the switch on i mean uh every brewery has a, a break-even point for like they're making enough beer to to make money 
Where, where do you want to be, like, a, in a year after you open in terms of production? Five Tesla. Out of Virginia um, Beach. Yeah, we're, we're going to take it pretty slow. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking to distributors in Virginia mm-hmm. uh, right now, and, you know, it just, we want to take some time and build the brand. Uh, we want to get the tap room open right away as soon as possible and start pouring beer there. But as far as the actual, you know, really brewing beer and packaging beer and things like that, that's probably several months out, mm-hmm. you know, just so we can get ourselves established and yeah. and make sure, you know, things are going to work and, and you know, and give people time to get used to us being there. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're probably going to start off pretty slow. And, uh, you know, like I said, we got this earlier than when we needed, so we don't really – need to brew a heck of a lot of beer there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're looking at that right now as far as what beers we're going to keep brewing in Atlanta and what beers we're going to brew in Virginia Beach and, you know, and just kind of mix and match. That's yeah, great. you got a lot of options now. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the smallest fermenter size at Virginia Beach? I mean, how is there, are there, like, smaller <clears throat> ones just doing smaller, uh, less less uh, popular beers for the for the for your own tap room there, or do you – yeah, actually, I think it's going to be the opposite. The, oh. the smallest fermenters in Virginia Beach are 100 barrel. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a 50 barrel brew house. Where our brew house in Atlanta is a 20 barrel brew house. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, our working plan right now, and it, it changes every week, but our working plan <laughs> is to keep Atlanta going as kind of our innovation brewery and really do some some neat things out of here that we haven't been able to do so far mm-hmm. because we've been selling so much of our core beers. Uh, and really start going off the deep end with some of our beers here in Atlanta, and then and then use Virginia Beach not only to brew some some local beers for for that tap room, but also to do our bigger brands. And beers. yeah, so that, that's what we're thinking about right Makes now. That, that's how we're looking at it. Yeah. I love that. And you know what else I love? Going on your website, and the first thing I'm hit with is a scrolling graphic of a Pilsner can. That's yeah. front and center. It's not. Awesome? It's not like twelve IPAs or or, or whatever. Uh, why are you Why are you bucking trends, uh, Mitch? What's going on with you? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I looked at this as an opportunity to brew a lot of beers that I wasn't able to do at Stone. You mm-hmm. know, Stone was was very IPA centric. I think, as a lot of people know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of just about any style of beer and, you know, the, the opportunity to brew some of these beers, uh, that I haven't been able to do was really attractive to me. And the other thing is, if you look at the city of Atlanta, um, you know, when we started planning this brewery, I think, you know, it didn't really have a style that was really kind of dominant here. It was, Mm -hmm. it was not like San Diego where, you know, if you don't brew IPA, you're really out on a limb. It was everybody was brewing a little bit of everything, and I think it's evolved a little bit over the past couple of months or six months or so, where there are a lot of people that are doing you know what what you know is really popular right now with the, with the hazy IPAs and the and the fruited sours and and pastry stouts and that whole thing. But there's still you know people that are brewing classic styles here and doing really good jobs with it. And so, you know, that was, so we haven't quite figured out what we're going to focus on. If anything, we just want to brew a lot of different types of beer and and do them all well. And, and so, yeah, it's been fun. You know, it's been fun to get back into brewing some different styles. Do you think, do you think breweries these days can have a flagship beer or maybe two flagship beers or does it have to be you have to be kind of good at at a wide variety to to appease everybody 
Yeah, I think it's becoming harder and harder to to rely on a flagship. Um, I think, um, you know, there's a couple of breweries here that kind of fell into having a flagship beer. It certainly wasn't their intent, um, you, you know, but they've had a, a beer in each of their portfolios that really took off unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can go into it thinking you're going to have flagships, and um, it'll happen naturally. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, here, like everywhere else, you know, our, uh, you know, we call people call it rotation nation and, and that's what we're seeing. And there's very few beers that are on permanent handles here. So, um, I think if, if, you know, and one of the things that I was preaching, uh, with, with my partners is guys, we got to be really nimble and be willing to change gears on a dime. If, if it looks like something's not going to take off, you know, and, and you can't go old school and say, we're going to brew four beers and that's going to be it. Um, (laughs) and you know, so we built this brewery and we, not only did we put in a 20 barrel brew house, it's a really nice automated brew house, but we also put in a five barrel pilot system. And, um, and we've been brewing small batches of beer on that. And, and some of those are doing well and we've graduated them up to the big system. So we're, we're trying to position ourselves to be able to brew a lot of different things. And if, if a few of them take off and become flagships, that's great. But, uh, you know, I don't want to put money on it because I think it's really hard to do right now. Yeah, and I guess I meant flagship as I'm gonna I'm gonna make my my top seller my my the beer I'm gonna be known for is my pale ale or whatever, and then that's what you push and that's what you do. And uh, but yeah, if you if you let the customers decide that, then that's that's a different story. Yeah, I think I think going into it with that preconception that your mm-hmm. your flagship beer is going to be X or Y, I think is. Uh, it's tough. I think it's tough to do. And, and yeah. certainly I, I think we, we've seen it a little bit. Um, you know, we, we had some ideas on beers that we thought would do real well and, you know, they do fine in our restaurant, but they may not do as well outside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, we'll keep brewing them, but maybe we won't brew as much as we thought we might be. Is, is there a, a big difference between what beers are, are doing well at the restaurant and what is out in the real world? Or is it, I mean, do you find that you're in kind of a bubble in the restaurant? People come in to, to visit you. They, they would try more, I don't know, esoteric or whatever, different styles than they would. Maybe they go down to the local. Yeah, actually, I think I think what we're seeing in the restaurant is is people want lighter styles, and we're getting a lot of people that are coming in that aren't really into craft beer. I mean, we get <laughs> we get some beer geeks coming in for sure, but we've got a huge restaurant, and so and just by where it is and and the nature of the restaurant and and how it's. Uh, located and everything. I think we tend to get more people that that really are just starting to figure beer out. Mm-hmm. And as such, you know, the lighter styles, the lighter alcohol beers, the sessionable beers are doing very well in the restaurant. And we're still trying to figure out whether they're going to do really well outside or not. You know, we're just, uh, you know, we've only been open five months and, and you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see you know, how a golden ale or how a, a light, lighter Pilsner does oh. outside. You know, we know they do well in the restaurant, but that may, may not be the best focus group for outside. Because right. Atlanta's got a pretty good beer scene, you know. And okay. uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty pretty mature but not real big beer scene is, is probably how I'd characterize it. Yeah. Uh, but there's some real passionate beer people here. And, um, you know, I don't know whether, you know, a, a 5% 20 IBU Pilsner is going to float their boat or not. <laughs> Man, it'll float mine all the way to friggin', you know, China, dude. I love that. That's my... 
that is my style, and 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 I, I I hope it goes. I hope it goes well, and then I hope everyone looks at you and goes, "Bitch, reintroduced Pilsners to the universe." These Pil- Pilsners, uh, are, thank it's you. It's getting a lot of play. It's getting a lot of attention. The Pilsners. Uh, I'm ready to Especially drink. Especially the it. hoppier ones, which yeah, yeah, like German German styles. Is that why you picked uh, Atlanta? Because the the beer scene was sort of emerging, anyways, and you wanted to get in. Not like because you're a San Diego boy, you're a California boy. Yeah, I'm actually a Bay Area guy. I grew That's up right. In, yeah, I grew up in Walnut Creek. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, you know, I've spent most of my life in California. Now, you know, my partners uh, are both from the Southeast, and and one of them lives here in Atlanta, and mm. and. Um, you know, we were looking at a few different cities in the Southeast, but we found this building in Atlanta and, you know, looked at the beer scene and said, wow, this is, you know, this is a, an area that we think is going to explode in the next two years. And, and that really, you know, we thought, uh, well, great, there's room, there's room for us here. We're not going to step on anybody's toes. We're going to be able to open up and, and, and do well and, and be part of the community. And that was, that was a big motivating factor. Are there many places left like that where you can open up and not crush? Like California to me seems, unless you're way out in the, in the foothills somewhere, it seems pretty tight. Oregon seems pretty tight again, unless you're way out in the country or maybe if you're in the Midwest or something, but I I don't, I don't think of too many regions that aren't oversaturated. Am I wrong? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I think, I think the Southeast is probably the last the last frontier for craft in the United States. I think everywhere else is pretty, pretty well developed and, and, and getting saturated. So I think there's room still here in the Southeast, but yeah. you know, it's, we'll see. Was that a concern for you opening up, uh, you know, your own place? Like, Hey, what is, I don't want to say the craft beer bubble. Cause I think that term is kind of overused, but um, <laughs> you know, the, the shrinkage of the, of the market. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I wouldn't have, join this this uh this organization if they were opening in california i just <laughs> i just wouldn't have done it you know oh, well you probably couldn't I mean, afford it it's, everything's taxed too high yeah. here, so. well that too <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool man i'm glad you find us i'm glad you found a spot and uh I, I think that's cool that it's in atlanta i mean you know you, you hear like a lot of north carolina getting a lot of love from you know uh sierra nevada and all the people moving out there but um you know it's 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 cool i think to hear about other big names i'm going to say mitch Steele's a big name in the beer industry um opening up the south i think is uh i think that's pretty cool yeah it's it's been fun and i've i've really gotten to to really love this city it's it's a really neat place and um you know the weather in the summer's a little rough but that's really <laughs> the only you know, and the traffic's bad, but the traffic's bad everywhere. There's right. no city with with decent traffic, so yeah. you know it's, it is what it is. But it's a, it's a very cool cool city. There's a there's like I said, there's a good beer scene here. There's some really uh, well established breweries that have been around for a long time, and people that have been in the business for a long time. There's a lot mm-hmm. of new breweries, great restaurants, all sorts of stuff. Oh man, I got, I've never so, been. I gotta get. I gotta get out there. There's a lot of good music. I like a lot of the rap music oh, out of Atlanta. Love the music out here. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got all the, you know, kind of southern rock stuff going on. You've got you know uh, a lot of good blues. Um, mm. You know, you've got Athens, which had it, its whole scene. 
um, you know, I, I mean, this is, this is a pretty intense music area and I love yeah. that about it. I, I live five minutes away from a, a theater that has really good bands mm. all the time. So, you know, I just, as a drop of a hat, I can go see a show if I want and That's love cool. it. I love it. Hey, well, you know, don't sleep on any of the rap acts out there. If you want a list of uh, East Atlanta rappers, I got I got you covered. I'll, okay. I'll help you out. I'll help you out. <laughs> right up <in> my alley. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're your neighbors now, man. You do a beer with Gucci Mane or something? Forget about it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of beer, man, let's let's drink one of these beers. We have three beers in okay. front of us. I, uh, what is the order, um, uh, Bev? Is it the the Pilsner and then the other two Johns? The Pilsner, the IPA, and then the, the whatever the crawler says. I don't. Remember. All I heard was Pilsner. Okay. Yeah. I figured. I stopped listening at Pilsner. Let's yeah. try this Pilsner, Tasty. This is the uh, Euphonia Pilsner. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, about this Pilsner. What were you trying to What were you trying to hit with this thing? Well, I was trying to make a a hoppier Pilsner, and I I, I listened to. Uh, some of your show when Peter Hoey was on uh, oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he was talking about his Pilsner, and I'm like, damn it, Peter did was doing the exactly same thing as I was, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to do with with the Pilsner. I, you know, it's just straight 100% Weirman malt, uh, uh, very low uh, bitter bitter hop um, uh, with Magnum, but then there's a load of hops at the back end. So it's actually very bitter. It's it's like a North German pills. It's you know forty five IBUs or so. Uh, but we used uh, <clears throat> we used uh, Huel Melon and Hollertau uh, Herzbrecher mm-hmm. uh, on the finish of this beer. So I kind of went you know kind of traditional with a little bit of new. Yeah. And uh, we've got some Sephir in there and some Sterling, which is an American hop. But uh, I've, I've always liked Sterling just because it's it's nice and peppery and spicy. So, um, you know, I thought it was a nice hop blend. And it's one of our favorite beers. Our, our brewers love it. Um, you know, it's fermented with 3470 yeast. It's just uh, we were just trying to make a really good hoppier version of a, of a German pills. I love that, uh, Huel Melon. Uh, you know, I first introduced to it at, uh, Sierra Nevada beer camp. And, uh, when we did our Vienna lager with it and it just, it has that standout flavor, even, you know, it, it just, uh, oh, it's so good. It's, it's a delicious hop. And I'm, uh, this beer is fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Come, it doesn't Thank come you. across as the 45 I have used because all the hop flavor sort of like, it kind of mediates that, the bitterness in it. Yeah, it kind of, it's kind of sweet. I think it accentuates maybe like the bread crust yeah, yeah. from the malt, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. And it just... It's, uh, it's, it's got a great balance. This is a delicious beer, and I'm not even trying to kiss your butt, Mitch. This is a really good Pilsner. I would drink the hell out of this every single day. Well, thank you. I, You know, I, wow. it, was, uh, it was a labor of love for both me and, and our head brewer. We w- really wanted to do it, and... Uh, we were we were pretty. I remember, you know, this is one of those beers where you taste it for the first time in the bright tank, and you're just like, "Yes, we got it." And this imagine. is what we were trying to do. Nice. And um, wow, that's good. Yes, when are you it's a favorite of ours. When are you distributing in California? <laughs> Not. Mm. We 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 have no notion of trying to grow beyond our our state at this point. You know, okay. and now it's two states: we're Virginia and, and Georgia. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, just, we just don't want to get big. Yeah, so so you are you're you're trying just to stay regional and supply your area with good beer, and just and that's it. That's your that's your business model. You don't care about anything. It is. 
It is. Um, you know, I think the the idea of trying to go national with a craft beer brand right now, it's the wrong, absolute wrong time to try and venture mm. into that into that kind of a model. Um, uh, everything's so hyper local right now that you know even. You know, we even questioned whether we wanted to sell our beer outside of Metro Atlanta, which we're just moving into right now. But mm-hmm. you know, it's um, uh, you know, it's it's a local local brewers game right now, and mm. and that's that's the um, you know that's where we want to play. So we'll see how that goes. Is that but we don't want to. We don't want to be that big. I mean, we don't yeah. want to be a regional, national, you know, multi, multi-state multi brewery. That's just not what we were trying to do. Well, we're, we're going to be missing out, that's for sure, because uh, there's not a whole lot of Pilsners out here, especially ones that are as well-made as uh, as this one. Is is that regional, like, uh, uh, you know, business plan, I suppose, uh, sustainable? I mean, I guess it is, because you guys aren't stupid. You wouldn't have done it if it's not sustainable. So it might be a really dumb question, but um, why, why are people still trying to grow, then, if they could just supply beer to their region? Is there is there some uh, dream that everyone's chasing that doesn't really exist, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think everybody has their own reasons. I think, you know, there are brewers that are looking to try and, you know, I hate to put a bad spin on it, but there are brewers that are looking to try to grow big enough so that they can sell sell out. Mm-hmm. There are brewers that that you know want to be want to be a national brand. I I just think you know if you're if you're not already a national brand, it's the wrong time in this market to try and do that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know I think the, the the brewers that are national that are craft brewers are. You know, by and large, they're struggling, and and there's a reason for that. It's, yeah. it's because all the, you know, so many local brewers have popped up. Um, whether it's sustainable or not, I don't know, but I I do know that we constantly look at this kind of stuff, and if it ever looks like it's not sustainable, then we will change our plan. And mm-hmm. and we're smart enough, I think, as a group uh, to be able to figure it out. And that just seems like sound business practice, but I I, I think. It, what it sounds like to me is that you just kind of have to be that way, and that's the modern craft bre- craft brewery owner, is you have to be kind of hyper-aware of what's working and what's not and change on the fly because customers seem like they change on the fly. It seems like their tastes change every 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and it, the same thing goes with the beer. You know, I can't, I can't get too... Uh, too emotionally attached to anything because it may be gone in, in a few months, you know, um, you know, I have high hopes for this Pilsner, but you yeah. know, we're also brewing, uh, we're just wrapping up the brewing of a, of a lower IBU, uh, Pilsner that tastes great, but you know, and that may be more, more to people's taste than this one, mm-hmm. but you know, who knows? I, you know, I think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think if you go in there with a preconceived notions of what beers you're going to be successful for you, I think that's, that's, playing foolish right no, you don't i need, just i just don't think it's that kind of a market right now you don't need to be that smart you just make a good beer put it out there in front of your customers and see how they react to it yeah don't if overthink the, it if lower yeah. abv pills sells better than the higher abv then you might just want to make more of that yeah yep, it, exactly you can and we got to be ready to do that yeah just be flexible you can overthink things you can overthink things too much yeah you don't need to now, yeah, now, <laughs> I I am certainly guilty of that. <laughs> now the Virginia Beach Brewery—that's a different animal. That that kind of is, has a regional brewery footprint, right? That's kind of made for distributing uh, multi-state. Is that correct, or do you think within your own co- corporation you could supply an Anna, Atlanta taproom with their core beers, plus maybe other additional t- uh, taprooms or those in the in the plants? 
Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, we're, we have, we have kind of some ideas of, of things that we would like to do moving, you know, two, three, four years out. Yeah. Um, I got to say though, this whole, this whole green flash brewery closing and us being able to get it, um, is we're going through a, a complete, you know, reevaluation of what we had planned sure. and whether it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given what we have there, I mean, there, that's a good sized brewery right now. It can do 40,000 barrels a year, wow. which is much bigger than we thought we would be yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, so what do we do with all this capacity? Even though we've got this beautiful building and this beautiful brewery, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we're going to, we're going to renovate the tap room and get that thing open this summer. And, um, you know, but, you know, beyond that, uh, we're still working on the plan. Uh, but, you know, really, we don't want to be selling beer where we don't have a local presence, where we don't have a brewery. And and so for us to, you know, brew beer in Virginia Beach and send it down to Florida or something isn't really in our plan. Yeah. Okay. No. Speaking of uh, <clears throat> things I'm not excited about, let's try this IPA. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Um, Hoplandia IPA. Yeah. Tell me a little bit so about I know Hoplandia. one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> uh, you know this. This is this was me just just coming up with a beer that has been you know kind of what I've been brewing and what I've I've been doing for the last ten years. And I just I I love a good West Coast IPA, and I just wanted to have kind of a uh, a standard West Coast IPA in our lineup. And and yeah. I thought this one came out nice. It's uh, got two of my favorite hops in it: uh, Centennial and Simcoe in the dry hop. Um, and other than that, it's 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 a pretty basic recipe. It's two row malts, and it's got a little bit of Simpson's uh, 15 degree Lovabond crystal malt in it, uh, just to give it a little bit of uh, uh, malt balance. But you know, it's 65 IBU and uh, dry hopped at about a pound and a half per barrel total. So you know, it's it's a it's it's a good standard West Coast IPA. That's what we were trying to do. That is a very smooth. West Coast IPA. I'm going to say it's almost round in the mouthfeel the way those New England IPA beers are. Not 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 the same kind of super lush roundness, right? But mm-hmm. there's a I don't even want to call it creamy. I just want to call it round. It's a round malt. The maybe it's the the kind of citrusy from the hops are kind of mixed. I don't know. help me out, Tacey. What am I am I wrong on that? Is well, it, this is this beer is, is even though it is a West Coast IPA, it's definitely a nicely balanced beer. It's not yeah. extremely hot forward. Like, I mean, it's been open for like half an hour right. or so. And I, I, I'm going to put words it's in. It's not a lot of carbonation. I'm saying that. I'm not speaking for Mitch, but I, I assume you'd want to make a beer that had sort of an East Coast you know, notes to it for mm-hmm. that crowd there. Because, I mean, they, they're maybe not ready for a true harsh, yellow, cloudy, you know, hazy West Coast IPA. No one's ready for that. No. Not even people on the West Coast. <laughs> this thing's clear and bright. Yeah, I wanted to make a beer that was approachable. You know, I I, I didn't want to make something that was, you know, going to just totally coat your tongue and and things like. Because I don't I don't like those that much either. I just like yeah. a lot of good hop character in the yeah. beer. And, yeah. But I like to have some balance and some drinkability as well. And that's that's what we were trying to do here. That's that's good. And I don't I don't drink a lot of these, so I don't really know. Um, so maybe my opinion means more. Tasty. What do you think of that? I'm going I'm to spin it. I'm going to spin it that way. Where I'm not really well versed like on these. I don't like this beer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even more to the point, I'm so ignorant on the style that if I like it, it must oh, be really good. It's like me and wine. <laughs> right there, you go. <laughs> um, is it? Tell me about the water. Because is the water profile on this such where it's a little softer and kind of just mellows out a little bit? 
No, I actually, um, you know, the Atlanta water is really soft, mm-hmm. uh, and we've been adding a lot of mineral salts. And this one, I was mm-hmm. actually trying to replicate kind of the, the calcium content that I've been working with in the past is, you know, with, uh, with a hardness somewhere around 110, 120 parts per million mm-hmm. and calcium somewhere in the 60 to 70 parts per million range, mm-hmm. um, you know, it has a fair amount of sulfate in it. So I really wasn't trying to do the, the, the high chloride water thing. You know, we did, mm-hmm. we do that with some other beers, but I wasn't trying to make it ultra hard either. You know, I wasn't trying to make it, you know, Burton water <laughs> and get a really, really pronounced bitter hang on it. I, I just wanted to make it kind of a, you know, kind of an, um, you know, a tribute to what I'd been brewing for the last 10 years without, without copying it. And yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, you know, the, the Atlanta brewing water is amazing. It's, it's just so soft and it's consistently soft. And I mean, we're talking calcium levels in the, in the 10 to 20 parts per million Whoa. range, you know, so it's, it's a blank slate that you can, you can add anything to, you know, and, and that's really been a lot of fun for me because, um, you know, when when I was brewing at Stone, the water came in at 400 parts per million hardness, and all we could do was try and soften it up a bit yeah. uh, with reverse osmosis. And then really, you know, doing a lot of water chemistry type work was not something that was in our in our capabilities, and so we just didn't. And yeah. um, you know, now I get to, and and I'm having yeah. a lot of fun with it. To be honest, your own water. Yeah. Well, euphonia, they all the lager. What you just did no water treatment at all for, for that. No, we did a little bit. We added a little bit of uh, of gypsum to it, and we uh, just a tiny bit, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really negligible what we what we add to that. Um, so the calcium levels um, might have been too low in your native water. Yeah, even then, you know. So we wanted to get we wanted to get a little bit. Um, you know, we're getting. Um, um, oh, geez, I want to say. Uh, you know, maybe thirty to forty parts per million calcium in that okay. beer. Okay. I, you know, it's something like that, but we're, you know, we're going for a fairly, uh, uh, a low sulfate in the beer. So we're, you know, That's we're, uh, uh, we're not adding a lot of, a, a lot of gypsum. We add gypsum to the boil just to, you know, just to kind of get the turb to form properly and things like that. But, yes. you know, in general, we're, we're not touching it too much. Um, the IPA, we are, you know, we're adding some gypsum and some calcium chloride and some magnesium. Mm-hmm. We actually use a lot of magnesium sulfate here uh, because, um, you know, we're we're uh, trying not to go overboard with the calcium. So we've been using some some Epsom salts as well. Mm-hmm. It's all been really interesting for me and and a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, when you got some naked water to deal with, you can have it <laughs> make it into whatever you want. It's a party at that point. Dress it up like a paper doll. Right. <clears throat> did you um, <laughs> did you say what hops were in this IPA? So the uh, the Hoplandy IPA is, yeah. is bitter hopped with lawyer. Um, it's a pretty standard hop hop recipe in the kettle. We do uh, we do a bitter hopping and then we just do whirlpool hopping. And mm-hmm. the whirlpool is a fifty fifty split between Centennial and Simcoe. Um, and, and same thing with the dry hop. And that's a, that's a combination that I always loved and never got to use at stone because we could never get enough Simcoe. We had other beers that were gobbling up our Simcoe. So just kind of hung on to that one in my back pocket. And, and when we got started here, I said, Oh, you know what? I I think I want to try and use this blend because I never got to do it at stone. That makes it different. And, uh, it's something that I know I really like. You know, what's funny is I would have, I could have sworn there were more hops in here. Than those two, and it seems like a kind of an old school hopping uh, blend. 
to me for some reason. It is. Uh, yeah? Definitely. It's definitely not very progressive and not very modern. But, no. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to fathom that people are looking at Simcoe as kind of an old school <laughs> uh, hop, but that's, that's the world we live in. Man, b- and, uh, before I said it, I was like, oh, shit, I don't know if this – as I'm saying it, I'm going, I think, I'm, I, th- I think this is not a cool thing to say because <laughs> Mitch has been around for a while. But it's true. No, it's – it's, it is a truth, and yeah. it's, it's, it just is, it exemplifies how quickly this business changes and how, how beers are changing so fast. We've got, a, we've got another IPA that we're doing that's uh, lower on the bitterness. You know, it's, it's hovering in between 55 and 60, and it's lower alcohol. And, you know, and we're using the Citra and Mosaic and, and things like that in, in that IPA, and it's doing really well. And that seems to be more to the taste of, of people in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. again, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, both those beers are doing really well for us in our restaurant. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good beer. That's a good little no, this beer. Is a great Thank beer. you. But yeah. I, at the same time, I see why the Citra Mosaic beer would be popular as well. Those are two great hops. For sure, well, they're, they're not old school. They're yeah. old school. Yeah, more melony and whatever, and yeah, uh, more care. And that's where things are going, right? Less less citrus, more melon. Is that what we're kind of more tropical than citrus? tropical for sure? Mm. Yeah, uh, citra is everywhere out here, um, and it, it is everywhere, everywhere. I think, but uh, yeah. boy, that hop is so popular right now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's amazing what's happened, it, and it's it's been one of my favorite hops. I don't. I don't like using citra a lot or really putting a lot of focus on citra because my experience has been the flavor drops off a cliff after about 30 days. It, it just the, the aromatics and the, and the hot flavor in the beer just don't stick around that long That's with weird. citra hops for whatever reason. And it's something I always wanted to try and dive into and study a little bit but never got around to. Now just ask Matt Brendelson. He'll tell you. He probably knows. He probably knows before you even finish the question. He, he probably does. Maybe I should get him out of call. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the third beer, or the third beer that we're trying in this segment, the Hoptropolis, which, uh, you know, thanks to the, the nod to my Greek people, I appreciate that. We're, uh, we're very underserved in the beer community. <laughs> nice. And this, this is the beer I was just talking about with Citra and Mosaic. Oh, and, okay. Uh, we, we also have some Azaka in there and some uh, Laurel hops. Uh, which used to be called HBC 291 when, when it was an experimental. But, I was going to uh, say, so man, it's, a, it's a bit of a hop salad. Yeah, uh, I was going to say there's not enough numbers in your hop uh, in your hop bill to be too progressive. So we maybe we should change that. Add more. <laughs> well, you know, no, you know, what I mean, like uh, every cool hip number, every cool hip brewery has. Well, this is twelve ninety five eighty nine dash two, and uh, you know, none of them oh, have okay. any names anymore. That's all. It was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. I need more experimental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, Citra, Laurel, Mosaic, and Azaka. Yep. Have we heard of Azaka, Tasty? Is that is it new for us, or is it not? Yeah, that's the uh, what uh, New Zealand or Australian hub. Those, no, that's an American hop. It it's is. Uh, from the uh, Dwarf Hop Association, so it's oh. a it's a low grower, uh, easier to harvest, and to me, it comes across kind of kind of pineapple-y. Hmm. And so, this is low, what it's about a full percentage lower than the other one. This as is, far as alcohol, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, six three. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just over six percent alcohol, and it's uh, fifty five to sixty IBUs. I think I, I think I like the, which is okay weird because my whole thing with IPAs is I don't I don't like the alcohol the high alcohol because I like to drink 
a lot of beer. I like the way beer tastes, and I want to drink as much as I can without you know forgetting who I am for a year. Um, but I think I like the Hoplandia one better. Oh, cool. Even though yeah, it had cool. higher alcohol. Even though it had higher alcohol, I you think just I just like the way it hit it. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I, I think maybe it's the kind of the old, you know, quote old school or old school or hops. And just make up a term. Um, maybe it's the citrus <laughs> over the melon. Maybe I'm not really a melon hop guy. Well, I assume this, this does this have that same sort of Simpsons uh, specialty malt? Uh, uh, no, actually, there's no specialty malt in this one at uh, all. That's I'll, what I was going to say. It's probably drier beer. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a much drier beer. It's 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 funny because this actually uh, came from uh, an Imperial IPA recipe, and we really liked it. But you know, you know, speaking to your point, uh, JP, you know the the higher alcohol beers, a lot of people are moving away from those, and we wanted to, we didn't want the the, the hop blend to go away because we really liked it. And it reminds me yeah. of 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 fruit cocktail. To me, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of pear and a lot of pineapple in it. Yeah. But, um, you know, so we ended up, what we ended up doing with this beer was just taking it uh, from 9% alcohol and dropping it down to eventually, you know, the 6 to 6.5%. And, um, and we still liked it, so we just kept brewing it. So. <laughs> well, that is the point, that double IPAs are great, but there's all much, too much flavor. It hides it hides itself. It's just, just too strong. Mm. Uh, whereas if you like, just like, you know, maybe like adding water to whiskey, it, 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 it opens up a little bit. Yeah. I think the, a lighter beer expresses the ingredients that are in it better than a, than a stronger beer. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would even say when I was drinking the Hoplandia, I was like, man, this would make an amazing pale ale. Yeah. That's what they did with the double IPA. Cool. They said this would be yeah. an amazing IPA. They yeah. Diluted it. I down. think, uh, I don't know, just that's the way I guess I, uh-huh. I work. Um, <clears throat> Mitch, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a, a, a break real fast. So if you can hang on for a bit, we'll we'll come back and we'll try the rest of the beers. Okay, sounds good. Is that cool? All right, give you yeah, a couple minutes. We'll be, we'll okay. be back. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, before we go, <clears throat> excuse me. Great Fermentations has the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web, and their staff is some of the best trained in the business in using Blickman products. They offer top-notch customer service and same-day shipping on many items. Check them out, greatfermentations.com. Also, be sure to like them on Facebook. I know, it's written all in caps that way, so I figure you have to scream it. At GR8 Fermentation, and find them on Instagram and Twitter as gr 8 Fermentation, that's, of course, the number eight. Check them out, greatfermentations.com. Good people, support the show, and uh, we love them here on the session and all of the Brewing Network shows. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Mitch Steele from New Realm Brewing and some more delicious beers. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for 
Denny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises blickman engineering has the answer the blickman brew easy all grain brewing system the brew easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design perfect for any size brewing location at its core the brew easy is built on two gorgeous blickman boilermaker brew kettles a high temperature march pump and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater the brew easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. This is Corey King from Side Project Brewing, and you're listening to the session on the Brewing Network. That's correct, Corey. Thank you very much. Before we get back to Mitch, did you guys know? You guys, I mean, you and Bev, Tasty, but Bev doesn't care. Uh, Tasty, did you know that IPAs are the most popular craft beer style in the U.S.? Did yep. you know that? I did. Didn't. You did? Man, you are a smart guy. 70%. I had no idea. Um, if you're looking to brew an IPA that's not like all the rest, which is honestly a lot of what we've been talking about today with Mitch, uh, check out Dick Cantwell's newest book, Brewing Eclectic IPA, Pushing the Boundaries of India Pale Ale. Award-winning brewer Dick Cantwell includes 25 original IPA recipes and categorizes them, no, excuse me, and categorizes over 200 unique ingredients to spice up your IPA, from papaya to peppercorn, beets to bog myrtle, and even cannabis were legally available, there are recipes for all levels of brewing experience. Order a copy of Brewing Eclectic IPA, Pushing the Boundaries of India Pale Ale by Dick Cantwell at brewerspublications.com or wherever fine books are sold. Thank you very much. All right, Mitch, you still there, buddy? I am here. Oh, man, it was your perfect time to get away, and you uh, you didn't do it. Now you're locked in for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the show. You That's bl- all right. You blew it. 
<laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, we have uh, three more beers in front of us, and one I'm gonna uh, the the next one we're gonna drink is the the for me the most uh, anxiety you know riddled name in the entire universe. It's called unexpected turbulence, and I don't even want to ever repeat it again. The wrong one. That's the wrong one? Yeah, the it's, r- it's the other direction. It's my Bach. first. Okay. So the next beer we're going to be drinking <laughs> is a beer style that I love, uh, and I'm excited that you're brewing it. It makes me you know, filled with the opposite of anxiety. Uh, my Bach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, a we, oiled uh, machine. We've been doing some, some nice German lagers in, in, in our brewery, and, and we've been having a lot of fun with it. So uh, this is one I thought, I don't know how it held up because we, we put this in a crowler. Um, so, you know, if it, if it hasn't survived the three weeks since we packed it up, you know, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll understand. But, uh, boy, we were really excited about this beer when we first tried it and uh, really just loved it. And I don't know what to do with it except just to keep brewing it, you know. It's it's just something that we really enjoyed. No, I think right. it's held up yeah. really well. It's I traveled th- well. Traveled yeah, well. I, th- I think some of these are kind of lower carbonation, and maybe that's some of that roundness that I'm getting. But it's it's – a delicious beer, and when they when they showed up, they were, they were on my porch for maybe five seconds. So they were, you know, they okay. came. They, so it was like just kind of boom, took everything apart, threw it in the fridge for two weeks. So uh, I, I I think they held up pretty good. It tastes great. Yeah, they all good. really wonderful. This my box really great. It's got uh, what's the ABV on this? I can tell it's got a little bit more meat. Uh, it came in just over seven percent, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Wow, it doesn't taste like it though. No. But there is that. There is. Yeah, I'll, uh, it's got the malt body and. Yeah. Wow, it's really nice. Is this is this moving well at the uh, at the restaurant? You know what? It's gone. Uh, we no. just this is one that we brewed on our five barrel pilot system. We've got a uh, a nice little two vessel steam brew house uh, from SS Brewing Technologies and. We've been having a lot of fun with it. So mm. it lasted about a week in our restaurant, and then it was gone. Um, but I wanted, you know, we, that was right when we were talking about, about doing the show. And I was, I was pretty excited about the beer, so I said, screw it. I'm going to send some to you guys. Well, thanks. That's a really good time. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, yeah, five barrels in a week, it. that seems like people liked it. Yeah, it went over pretty well. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we, you know, it was a pretty traditional recipe i think um and it it came in at about i'm looking at the analysis right now it came in at 7.6 percent alcohol um so it was a little little strong um and we did not run ibus on it so i don't know how bitter it was uh that was before we were running ibus so uh but we did dry out this beer just a touch with uh with german hollertau hops and i just wanted to get a little bit of a floral kiss on it and uh uh, and so that's that's what we did. But uh, you know, the the recipe itself was was pretty. You know, it was a, it uh, it wasn't anything really crazy. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what malts we used in there. I think we used Weirman Pilsner malt, and then I think uh, I think we used uh, Brees Gold Pils Vienna malt in there as well. Huh. Um, and just to try and mix it up a little bit, and and of course there's some some Munich in there as, as well. So like five percent of the Vienna and less of the Munich, or about five five percent five percent. What do you think? How much of a statement? Um, I think it, it was actually probably the Gold Pills Vienna was probably the biggest, oh. uh, the biggest portion of the malt, and then oh, it, it, so it was like 
um, you know, 60% gold pills, Vienna, and okay. 30% Pilsner malt, and then right. just a little bit of light Munich. A bit of light. That's great, man. Yeah, it's nice and dry for as big as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all of our beers are finishing very dry, um, which I don't have a problem with. But it's uh, a good problem. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I prefer it that way. I don't, I don't like sweet beer, but that's one of the comments that we get a lot from folks in Atlanta. Is like, oh, this is a dry beer. This must be one of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody ever complain about dry? I don't know. Is that a compliment? I, I mean, to you, do you take that as a compliment? Uh, well. I, I don't know if they mean it as a compliment, but to me, I, I prefer it that way, you know? so I wouldn't take it any other way. I mean, if they mean it as a, a flaw in the beer, I would ignore them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or that's just the state of beer that they're used to. Well, yeah, they're used to like 40 beer. I guess you can make it. No. Um, yeah. Okay, let's, let's move on real fast to my favorite style, one of my favorite styles, pale ale. Yeah, this is one we had uh, had pretty high hopes for, and it does very well in our restaurant. Um, and and really, you know, the, the very first real craft beer I ever tried was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and this was back in 1983. Um, and it blew me away, and I'd never tasted anything like it, and I've always loved the style ever since. And I just wanted to brew a beer that was – kind of a, a tribute to that beer and that and that place that that beer has in my heart mm-hmm. and and so we did a you know it's a it, it's an american pale ale it's all american malt we've got breeze crystal malt in there we've got cascade hops and then we threw in some idaho seven hops as well oh, there you go and um just a you know just a really well balanced beer um and uh again it came in it came in a little bit bitter uh, we're we're mm-hmm. making some adjustments now that we're able to run IBUs and figure out exactly where it was. But from a flavor and a balance standpoint, we were we were really yeah. pleased with the beer. Yeah, it's really close to what. Yeah, I can see it was just a little bit hop forward for a pale ale. Yeah, but you got yeah. that. But I mean, in terms of your clientele, they're not they're 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 gonna love this beer as it is. I'm sure. Well, yeah, no one's gonna sit side by side with a Sierra Nevada or whatever and go. No, oh Nevada's well, like we have than this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, you do have we, that we don't specialty malt. Do you don't want to be, right. be an IPA. That's another item on the menu. Right. But you have yeah, that, that. exactly. And I heard you talking about you know these the pale IPAs with a lot of hops and yeah. uh, you know earlier before I before I came on and I'm like yeah you know those are those are great but I, that's not what I wanted to brew with. No, not at all. No. No, everyone's doing that, and I I, I don't uh, I don't know you know my, my opinion on on kind of like where beers go and 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 there's a lot of innovation in 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 craft beer that's kind of what craft beer came from in in the first place i suppose but i I think a lot of that kind of stuff where you take a a, essentially what what is a a session ipa and you label it as a pale ale which i've encountered on several occasions it 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 might draw in maybe new people but it alienates people who have been drinking beer for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years like myself or anybody knows what pale ale style is right it's not a pale ale it's all like you know yeah. Try it out and hop forward. Yeah, and I think when you come in, when you, it depends on when you've entered the industry as, as a drinker, right? It, it, Ten years ago or more, it, you know about styles. But if you're coming in the last two years, I don't think styles really mean anything to you. That's well, why people, no, people come certainly up. Seen no, that. I got, yeah. That's my old, I get on my horse all the time about the fact that everybody, that drink, the people that drink most of the beer are 25 <laughs> to 35-year-olds, and the 25s are just starting out, and the 35s are just like going out of the scene because they got three kids. Yeah. So it's like a short window where they get to learn beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's, I, I'll never learn. I think it, I think it's true, and that's why you have a lot of people coming in. What's your haziest beer? No, that's what, yeah, they're following the trends. We're like, yeah, ordered by what they uh, think's cool to yeah, drink. Yeah, exactly. Harumph. I feel like we no. all have a lawn that we're waiting for kids to step on so we can all yell at them. Exactly. Now this, I, yeah, I feel that way sometimes. <laughs> this this this, uh, this beer is more orange in focus than. Than your other beers. Yeah, which, yeah I think that's the Idaho Seven, which always, you know, I, really? I, I hadn't really used it much, but we did a we did a single hop uh, IPA with it just to get a feel for the hop, and um, it, it came across to me as very very orange rind, yeah, and then also cool. a bit of uh, a bit of uh, licorice, you know, and it it kind of reminds me of the orange version of Eldorado. You know, Eldorado to me was always very lemony and, yeah. and licorice and. And Idaho Seven is kind of the orange version of oh, that, I great. think. Good and to know. Thank I just thought it played well with Cascade. It's going great. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I a love good... this beer. I love, I love the the ABV. Oh, it's my style. I'm a pale ale drinker from the get go. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the only way to go. That's, man. Where, that's where I started. And that's where I'm going to end. I think. That's where you're going to yeah, end. Yeah, I'm still Jesus. enjoying myself. Not, well, anything better coming along? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's true. No, but it just got real dark for a second. Oh, that's, like, oh, okay. that's where it's going to end. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to be. I want to go with a 12 pack of Sierra Nevada in my gut. That's the way that's I want to go. That's my favorite pivot. By the way. <laughs> what is your favorite pivot? Well, I say blind pig, but it's six point two. It's not a pale ale. Well, <laughs> you're the you're the kids that are ruining craft beer for me. You are right there. <laughs> I like the balance. In what, with Blind Pig? Yeah. Well, we called it a pale ale. <laughs> it used to be 6%, then call, I, but now they raised it to He just called Blind Pig a pale ale. I don't know if you heard that, so oh, okay. that's what <laughs> I was saying. It's a good beer, but uh, I don't know. I'm just giving tasty shit, because what else am I going to do? Um, okay, <clears throat> let's let's go to a beer that the name to me is the worst name. It's called Unexpected Turbulence. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a, I have a, f- a fear of flying. I have a fear of turbulence, and so I saw that, and I was excessive like, excessive fear. I think. You're, yeah. You're oh, oh, overly ridiculous, um, for sure. But uh, tell me about this beer, uh, Mitch. Please go ahead. Oh man. Okay. Well, this this is a beer that that a couple of our brewers came up with. The original name of it was. Uh, Steve and Eric's Excellent Adventure. Um, And they were trying to make a wheat-based India Pale Ale. And Hmm. um, and they did a five-barrel batch of it. It went really well. And and so we we scaled it up. Uh, It's got a lot of citra hops in it, uh, a lot of wheat malt in it. Um, Other than that, it's it's kind of, you know, in that middle ground between a pale ale and and an IPA. And the name was kind of aimed at me because uh, I am flying a lot right now. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm typically on airplanes eight hours a week. Um, oh God, I couldn't do and, that. And yeah, I hear you. Um, it's, it's tough. And, and uh, I think, yeah, I think I, I, I know a little bit of, of what you dealt with, with that, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm the guy that's on an airplane every Monday and then, and then, going back every Friday night. And um, so somebody on our brewing team, I think Tyler, our head brewer, came up with it, but it's it's stuck. Um, But, you know, we were just trying to do kind of an unfiltered, hoppy beer and, you know, a citra-focused beer, and that's really what this one is. Um, And, you know, just have some fun with it and get something hazy out there because we really hadn't been doing anything hazy and, um, you know, and and just have something with a little bit different character. So it's not meant to be a, a New England style IPA. 
No, it's not. It's uh, it doesn't have the water profile. It doesn't have the, the yeast. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 a pretty. It's more like a, a wheat IPA. I, okay. I would say. You know, it's more West Coast influence than anything. It's the only thing it has in common with the New England IPA is the haze. Yeah. Um, and even the haze is not that much. Do you do a, a New England style IPA? A new realm? Yeah, we do. Um, we've uh, we've done a couple of them. Uh, we did one that was really dank that we called Peter Danklage, um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, we've got another one that we're calling Hazy Like a Fox. That's really nice. That you know we're doing the full on fermentation dry hop and and the London Three Ale yeast and the high chloride water and and um, you know a lot of a lot of oats and wheat and we've used flake barley in ours as well and it's it's good it, it came mm-hmm. out really nice um, you know I, I wasn't certain we want to do do one but um, you know it's everybody's drinking them out here and uh, I got to taste ours uh, a couple weekends ago with. Uh, um, Actually, it was just last weekend with uh, a, a brewer from Creature Comforts and, and, and Travis from Scofflaw. Brennan from Creature Comforts and Travis from Scofflaw. We were at a panel, and I brought that, and, and they were both pretty complimentary about that's, it. So. That's good to hear. Those guys know. Yeah, it was nice. nice. Good feedback. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a delicious beer. Uh, so you're not, you're not uh, on the high horse about the New England-style IPA like myself and Warren are? Uh, you don't find uh, it like a bastardization of, of beers and should be burned. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's tempting, but but no, I I don't want to be <laughs> the old guy on the you know telling people to get off my lawn. I, right. I just I you know there's there's some things about New England IPAs that I think are very intriguing from a brewing standpoint, and mm-hmm. and and to brew one was was a bit of a challenge, and and so I like to be challenged when I brew and. So, you know, my, my goal when we did one was, okay, we're going to do one, but we're going to make it taste good, and it's good not going to get clumpy in the in the can. Or if we <laughs> decide to can it, we're going to have a haze that stays suspended, and mm-hmm. we're going to get that juicy character from, mm-hmm. from the fermentation dry hop, and we're going to figure it out, you know. And uh, and that's how we approached it. And, you know, I um, – you know whether it does well for us or not. I don't know, but you know I'm glad we did it. I I think it was a, a good experience for us, and I do like the beer. I thought it came out nice. You know, and it's it's it's, uh, you know, my only and I, I put this out on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I got absolutely destroyed. But <laughs> I you know my my thinking was, you know, I was talking to a lot of people at, at the craft brewers conference about it. You know, because everybody was asking, "Are you guys doing hazy? Are you guys doing hazy?" And I'm like, sure. "Well, yeah, you know," and. Uh, and it, it just kind of hit me that these these beers they they should be called something completely different, right. you know, because they really are a radical departure from India Pale Ale. Not like every you know everything that's in Dick, Dick Cantwell's book, you know, is is India Pale Ale plus something, you know, and and these are a complete left turn in so many ways that I, you know, I was I was kind of you know, throwing it out there that maybe they should be called something different. And boy, I just got destroyed. Um, so I, really? I just people, decided to leave it alone. Yeah. So, so a lot of people had the feeling that they're close enough to an IPA to be called an IPA. Wow. That's amazing. I'm with you. I'm hundred percent with you. It, yeah, it should be at least be something different on the menu. So when I order it, I don't have to ask, is it clear or cloudy? Because right now yeah. it just says IPA. It's unknown, exactly right, yeah. and that's what Warren and I talk about on the show all the time. It's it's not an IPA, 
And that's kind of where, for me, that's where I didn't like it because I'm this kind of style curmudgeon where it's like, well, is this in the pale ale? So, but I asked for a pale ale. People, why does it matter? Well, because I want a pale ale. Because I crave a pale ale. Right. I would like to drink a pale ale. If I wanted a session IPA, guess what I would order? A session IPA. I don't want to be bamboozled and hoodwinked and whatever old word I can come up with. Um, I, I want to drink what I'm asking for, and, and that's why styles matter. That's why matters. they were invented in the first friggin' place. So you go to the, the any IPA thing, people, if you, if you like cloudy IPAs, and I'm not going to go on, listeners. I'm not going to go on too long. You've heard about it already. But if you order a cloudy beer like <laughs> I that, if you, you with a stick yet. if you order any IPA, you don't want an IPA. You want something soft and round. Yeah. You don't want a bitter beer. You don't want you don't want that. So so let's call it something entirely different. So you get but, what you want. Everybody gets what they want. Though. Right. Yeah. I get what I, I want. And I think well. that you know, unfortunately, that ship sailed. You know. <laughs> right. Uh, but. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah. to me, they're different beers. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, I agree. You know, and 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 I approach brewing them completely differently. So, you know, from from my standpoint as a brewer, I I look at them as two completely different entities. And yeah. and uh, you know, I enjoyed brewing brewing ours. I I had a lot of fun with it. And we were, you know, when we were tasting it, we taste every single fermenter every day at our place. Mm-hmm. And. You know, it was interesting to see how the flavors evolved after we did that first dry hop and how they evolved again throughout the rest of the fermentation. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, you know, from from the curious brewer in me, it was a very satisfying and fun project. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's different different ingredients and different process. It's got to be more interesting. Than, yeah. yeah. It's great. Do you think that it helps to approach the uh, a New England-style IPA as a different beer and not treat it like a modified or some would say bastardized version of an IPA to treat it like an entirely different thing when you're crafting the recipe and brewing it and actually going through all the motions? Well, I think, I think you know, I, and I don't know how all these people are doing it, but my impression is, yeah, I think you have to. I, you know, um, you're using all these, you know, you're using all these high protein grains in it. You're using a water profile that's radically different than what you'd use in a West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you're dry hopping it completely differently. Um, you know, you're finishing the beer completely differently because you're not trying to remove the haze. And the trick is how do you get the haze to stay suspended without falling out as a big pile of gloop <laughs> in the bottom of your can? Yeah. And and that's not easy, you know. And, and so there's a lot of things that go into it that are – yeah, I would approach it completely different than than an IPA. You know, when yeah. you know when we did black IPAs, it was it was an imperial IPA with a little bit of black malt, and when yeah. we did a session IPA, it was a low alcohol imperial IPA recipe. You know? yeah. So uh, this is completely different. It's, yeah, like I said, it's a different process, different ingredients. Yeah. Well, what what, yeah. what, you're, what you're doing, Mitch, is, is explains why uh, I find like I drink a fair amount of the New England style IPAs and pale ales and and whatever doubles. And, uh, you know, some I like, some I don't. The ones I like are the ones that, you know, where the brewers have done everything right, and that's your focus, which I can tell you I appreciate that. that you're, you're one of the guys that are doing it right, it sounds like to me. Well, we're trying. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because the people that have had really big success with these aren't sharing a lot, and so oh. there's a lot, of, oh, right. a lot of stuff you kind of have to sort through really? <laughs> as far as how these things uh, are brewed. That's a ripple in the craft culture, isn't it? Uh, well, that's different. A bit, bit, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like everyone's friends until they figure out how to print money, and then... (laughs) Then we we clam up a little bit, maybe, uh, huh? Closer to the vest. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so you seem like, from the way you described your process and uh, your ingredients, it seems like you're you're on the right track, for sure. 
Yeah, I think so. The beer came out good. Yeah, We're really yeah. happy with the beer. So um, the it's going on tap, uh, I believe, this weekend at our place. So oh. it's uh, we, we kegged it up. Um, uh, and I tasted it today, actually, the, the keg version for the first time. So I tasted it out of the bright uh, right before I, I went back to California last week. And then, uh, um, yeah, I tasted it out of the keg, and it's it's tasting great. It's got a nice orange juice character. And we used Eldorado and Azaka hops in it, mm-hmm. which neither of which are particularly orangey or <laughs> juicy. Mm. And uh, it really was fun to see how that flavor developed during the course of the fermentation. Yeah, it's a whole different set of esters when you put all those, you know, those other you know, well, stuff proteins and polyphenols and all that stuff into the beer. Then yeah, it, get, it, was, then the, it was fascinating. And then these hops you add late have something to hang on to. There's Obviously, there's these are some solid particulates there, and they can hold flavor. Yeah. yeah. So it was fun. Cool. Are you uh, speaking of going out to California all the time? Are you are you going to move the fam out to Atlanta? Is Atlanta your new your new homestead, or, or are you going to be the the traveling brewer for a while? Uh, I've got um, so I my daughter is a junior. Actually, she's going to be a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got one more year of high school, and I made a promise to both of my kids. Uh, when they were younger, that I would not move them while they were in high school. Uh, and and so that was the deal. Um, I am commuting. I'm living in Atlanta during the week, and I most weekends I, uh, I travel home uh, to California and hang out with my family. And then on Monday morning, I'm on an early morning flight back to Atlanta. Um, it's not easy, but it's, no. it's we're making it work, you know, and the family's been great about it. Um, you know, I know there's times when my wife wants to kill me, but, you know, we think it's <laughs> – it's going to be worth it. And, you know, so in a year we're going to pack up and move. And, oh, really? um, yeah, so we're, we'll, uh, we'll be moving in a year. But, uh, so right now I have an apartment here in Atlanta. It's a 10 minute walk from the brewery. So it's great. And, uh, you know, I, I stay here during the week and I feel like it's home during the week. And, and then, uh, my home on the weekends is in Southern California. Wow. Man, that's great. You're, you're, you know, you're able to, to really acclimate and, and enjoy yeah. the new place. And it sounds like the family does, too. I think that's really cool. I think it's hard to do. It's hard to do, but all in all, it's the best. That's what you go for. Yeah. That's for everybody. Yeah. What other kind so, of beers are you going uh, to be brewing out there in New Rome? What other kinds of beers? Yeah. Well, we just started doing some Berliner Weisses, so I'm kind of Ooh. excited about that. Wow. Uh, did some kettle sours. We did one with grapefruit, and we did one that we really liked that uh, – we dry hopped with lemon drop hops and added lemon peel to it. So it's got no juice in it or, or puree or anything like that, but it's got a really, it's kind of like a, a really refreshing lemon drink without any sugar in it. And it's uh, very tasty. I'm excited about that one. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, you know, nothing's really off the table for us. We, we just, uh, uh, we did a, uh, a Belgian triple earlier this year that we threw into barrels and we're starting to pull that out of barrels now. Oh. Uh, we had some Buffalo trace barrels and some Sazerac rye barrels. Wow. Um, Sounds good to me. Uh, the only thing we're not going to do in Atlanta is fermented sours. We're not going to do any mm. lacto PDO kind of fermentation things. Oh, why not? Uh, we just don't have the space. Oh, okay. uh, it's too confined. Everything's too compressed. And I just don't, want to do it unless I can have adequate separation from the rest of the processes. So we just we just decided pretty early on we'd, we'd save that for another project if we if we get that far. Maybe maybe Virginia? 
Yeah, maybe or no. you know something. You no, know, <laughs> you know, we haven't really started talking about what sure. we're going to do in Virginia yet. We're still trying to figure that oh, yeah. out. But I think we're going to expand our barrel program, our barrel aging program, because these beers came out really nice. And okay, uh, the, we we have a imperial stout and a, and the triple that we put into barrels here, and and they're coming out really nice. And I think we want to do some more of that. Okay, and that's, that's going to be a, a bottled product. I think we're going to bottle it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's pretty we're cool. We're pulling it out now and putting it in kegs until we figure it out. Oh, I see, but that's got yeah, it. Yeah, it'll hold over the summer. We're not gonna we're not gonna tap these beers over the summer. It's a little too hot here for <laughs> yep. you know, barrel aged <laughs> yeah, imperial can, stout. Yeah, but. I can't imagine a barrel aged imperial stout would sell well in August well, in Atlanta. But turn the air conditioning down a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. They'll be ready for something warm. Sit in your in your kitchen at four in the morning. Open the freezer door and then open this beer, and it will be just fine. It'd be magic. <laughs> well, Mitch, man, I'll let you go. Uh, you've, you've taken up a lot of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can go to newrealmbrewing.com and learn more about Mitch's project out there in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, if you're in the area, definitely swing by and say hi. I was looking at your, uh, your menu, dude, on your, uh, uh, for your restaurant there. You guys, got yeah. some, you guys got some good food. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Julio, our chef, is is amazing. Julio Delgado. He's he's been around Atlanta for for a number of years. He uh, was an executive chef with the Ritz Carlton, and then he worked at a at a winery called Chateau Alain, which was like had a four hundred seat restaurant. And wow. he's he's a great guy. He's from Puerto Rico. We just did a a, a big fundraiser. Uh, he, he was part of uh, that. We brewed a a Puerto Rican light lager for him. Uh, so, <laughs> took me back to my old Anheuser-Busch days. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Man, you got spicy um, Korean pork cheek buns. Come on. Those are amazing. They're, Cheddar they're amazing. They got kimchi on them. And, yeah. Oh, God. Forget about it. The appetizers are really great. And and you know what? We have entrees, and, and I, I never eat the entrees, even no, though they're no. really good, because I always load up on apps, and then I'm done. I'm just like, wow, this is, this, it's fun. And the pizza's really good. We've got a wood-fired pizza oven. Uh-huh. And, Bev, you know. Bev, they have, uh, for desserts, they have uh, campfire s'mores, but more importantly, strawberry rhubarb fried pie. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Forget wait, about wait, it. Wait, what? It's a, I, I, it's that's a, new. That's a strawberry <laughs> rhubarb fried pie served with vanilla ice cream. You haven't had that yet. Oh, my goodness. Okay. How does I that do, travel? I know what I'm trying tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we went the wrong route, Bev, and we, we asked for a bunch of beer instead of food and beer. That's what I asked Peter Hoey. I was like, bro, you should have brought some barbecue. What's going on, yeah, man? Really. <clears throat> <Are> you... <laughs> anyway, Mitch, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. And we got to get hey, out there. We got to figure out a way to get out there. It, it, this was a lot of fun, and hopefully, I'll see you soon. Hope yeah, so. that that'd be great. We got to, like I said, we got to find a way to get out there and uh, you know have a good time together. Yeah, just uh, next time you fly to the East Coast and go through Atlanta, just take a few hours. Well, I'm I'm talking to my wife about actually letting me go to New Orleans in November. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we can detour nice. somehow. I don't know if that's close or not, but yeah, just just let me know. I will. Well, you know I will. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll Bye, talk dude. to you soon. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. The great Mitch Steele, everybody. What a great guy. Uh, we're going to take a break, but before we do, 
You guys know that sometimes jockey boxes can be frustrating, but luckily there's now a solution. Poncho's Keg Cooler, an elegant option for serving cold beer at social gatherings. Imagine a water cooler tall enough and with enough room inside to fit a five-gallon corny keg, including a small two-and-a-half-pound CO2 tank and a regulator. At a beer faucet, you have a kegerator on the move. You have Poncho's Keg Cooler. Now available at ponchosbrewinglab.com. Get 20 bucks off your Poncho's Keg Cooler purchase by using code BNET. That's BNET. For additional information and for answers to frequently asked questions, visit ponchosbrewinglab.com. All right. We're taking a quick break. We're going to come back. I don't know, tasting out bullshit about some beers and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we'll let you go. So hang tight, everybody. It's the session, and we will return. We promise. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the 
Brewers Association at craftbeer.com. Also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Brewcasters are back. It ain't 401 beer. Whatever. All right, thanks for hanging out, everybody. Uh, you know, if you're going to Atlanta, of course, you go to New Brown Brewing. But if you're in the Bay Area, that guy Mitch doesn't distribute out in the Bay Area. So if you're hard up for good beer out here, drink Drake's. Go to drinkdrakes.com and learn about all the beers that you can buy. Learn about where you can buy them. And uh, learn about learn about Drake's. Learn about why we love them so much. Because their beers are multitude. They're wide style, is that what I'm trying to say? They cover all the bases. There you and go. And they cover them really well. They're great and they, craft beer. And they do them really well. And they travel well, too. So pick up several six-packs, bring them back to wherever hovel you live, and uh, you know recognize that California is the king for craft beer, right? They definitely make good beer there. They do a good job. Uh, speaking of good beer, well, <clears throat> speaking of, yeah, I'm going to say speaking of good beer, Homebrew Con is coming up, Tasty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have a couple of tips we were talking during the break, Tasty and I, about what the hell we're going to talk about right now because we can't make fun of Warren. We don't have a Twitter game. Yeah, we've already done. I didn't do beer news because I didn't know nobody would be here. There's no news, I guess. Um, well, there is one about a South African brewery uh, with like the worst sexist advertising in the entire mm. universe. Um, but you know, I feel like I don't really want to read it. So instead, um, Uncle Tasty is going to talk to to you kids about tips for purchasing weed. Well, I have just a few tips. In Oregon. This will be the first uh, National Brewers Conference in a weed legal uh, city. It's it's groundbreaking in several ways. It is. is So, I mean, you know, a lot of people go like, oh, that's right. I could roll in there with my driver's license from uh, whatever and just go in and get whatever I need. Okay, well, just to, you know. How do we do it? Well, you buddy up with somebody. You don't want to buy. People tend to like. Oh, I want like a all bunch of all this, a bunch of that. Like no. they buy too much. You buy way too much, right? Which brings me to the you know. Like, Realistically, I'm sorry. I'm totally going to interrupt you this for this whole thing, and I sure. apologize. Um, how much is enough? So for a week of let's say. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it, it's by individual. Right, but let's say like you 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 know you don't have. You know, you buy from, like, your friend's dirty roommate every once in a while. You don't really have a plug, yeah. right? So maybe you smoke a couple of times a month. Yeah. And, you, and you don't – and if you're like me, you haven't been to a dispenser. I still haven't gone, even though it's legal in California. Um, but I smoke pot every now and then because I waste my life. And uh, I'm kidding. Um, but if you're just, like, a recreational weed smoker, you've never had dispensary quality weed, what do you do? We get le- le- just buy less than you think you need. Okay, and like, then, and then buddy up with somebody like so you can like share like. Okay, yeah. and because think about it, you're going to be at a at a home brewers event, right? There's yeah. going to be beer everywhere. Yeah, it's not like you're on your couch playing video games and like <laughs> when it's, it's too early in the, in the day to drink beer. Right, you're looking for you know you want to roll something up. Yeah, no, you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be yeah. out drinking beer and having a good time, and you're going to be in places where you can't like light up all you know whatever you want. Right. So yeah, you're not going to have that many opportunities to to indulge. But you Less than in. you think. But I encourage right? people to go into the shops and look around and see, like, wow, this is like another world. Okay. Yeah, but check it out. All right. But, yeah, buddy up with somebody and get a half. Uh, 
And then, uh, you know, when you come to the Brewing Network Anniversary Party on Saturday night, you got all this extra stuff, just give it to me. I'll smuggle it back. <laughs> you'll smuggle it or yeah. you'll smoke it? We'll smoke it there. Okay. There you go. That's it. Just to be just that simple. Buddy system. Buddy system. Don't, don't buy too much. Don't buy too much. Right. I wonder if the uh, the TSA uh, garbage cans, like where you dump all the water, I wonder if that's, I wonder how much pot gets dumped from. I've thrown a lot of cookies in there. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit, this is in my pocket. You got to go. You got to, you can't, you can't yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't be that guy. Uh, okay. Don't be the guy who, don't be wasteful. You've got that many opportunities to, to smoke. You're going to be drinking a lot of beer. Right. Maybe maybe a couple of times. Just once. But that's twice. about it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe buy a J. Maybe before the 9 o'clock seminar after you've been drinking until 2 o'clock. <laughs> might feel better. Yeah. Well, in addition to being the first NHC in a weed legal state, yes. by the way, apparently it's the 40th anniversary of, in, of, of Homebrew Con. Kidding. No, apparently they have they're going to have 66 sessions, three away from the sex number. So I hope next year they'll have the sex number. Uh, 92 speakers, 50 over 50 homebrew clubs with 3000 attendees. 40 years. It seems Whoa, crazy. To I've me. only been going like uh, 16. Or I lost track. I don't know. I still got all my badges somewhere. Uh, but they have some pretty cool events. They have Cicerone skills and knowledge for the home brewer. You know, uh, the the kids from Dr. Homebrew and I have tried twice now you, to to do uh, to be speakers at NHC, and they keep and? shooting us down every oh. time. But I because I think they already have a, a, a events um, for this, like 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 Cicerone skills and knowledge for the home brewer. Okay. That would be fairly similar to what we would be doing up there when Doctor Homebrewing Doctor Homebrew shoving our thumbs up our butt and uh, you know judging beer and stuff. But it'd be more like you know beer judge for the home brewer. But it sounds like. Cicerone skills covers it. You could get the audience to have the beers you guys are tasting. Oh, we had a whole seminar. we had a whole thing, man, about like we would try to reach out to a brewery to like do yeah, some stuff yeah. or whatever. But I don't know. It's fine. It sounds like we're just doubling up on a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, educational sessions, of course, the kickoff party. That's for sure. Educational. That's what are educational sessions? State of the homebrew industry. That'll be good with Jake Keeler, Go. our good buddy Jake nice. Keeler. Uh, homebrew shops in the new economy. That'll be cool. Uh, crash course in the business of brewing gluten-free. Well, that free. sounds like the commercial, the, uh, the other <clears throat> stream, the other thread, right? Isn't it? Mm, is that I don't a know. separate fee or something? The, no, uh, no, I don't think so. It's no. a normal seminar as well. Yeah, it's on Thursday, yeah. Cool. Uh, gluten-free homebrewing. Oh, yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. Bringing a brewery quality control lab into your home. Dude, there are, I tell you what, going over the last, I don't know, 20 years or whatever that I've been going through these things, there's a lot. The the topics have grown so tremendously. Well, so is the body of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. It used to be, you know, there was like 10 things you had to know. Now there's you know, a thousand. Our friend Annie Johnson is going to be uh, telling you how to brew a Stein beer with the, oh, the nice. Hot Rocks, oh. which, of course, if you watched Brew Your Own Beer TV on Coffee TV 20, oh, yeah. Justin and I did this already. So, you know. It should be old old hat for you guys. Anyway, I uh, hope you guys are going to HomebrewCon. Uh, you can go to HomebrewCon.org. Yeah, I'll be there, too. Like uh, I said, Palmer and, uh, Thursday. Bill and I are on a, doing a little talk or a Q&A or something. Oh, you're going to do, yeah, you're going to do shows. We're uh, Dr. Homebrew. It will oh, no, be we're there. We're going to do a seminar, and then we'll do a, some pod, a podcast. Oh, you, you guys are speaking yeah, at a speaking, seminar? Yeah, we're speaking on a stump the, stump the brewcasters or whatever it's called. Stump the old retards. And what's it called? 
Stump so the experts panel. Friday afternoon at, uh, <clears throat> Stump the experts Stump panel. The experts. Bring your toughest questions to this panel discussion with renowned home brewers Jamil Zanishev, John Palmer, and Tasty McDole. That's not your name. Your name is Mike. Yeah. I just, yeah often it's both together. Mike. Yeah. Tasty McDole. So it sounds like Jamil's just rewashing Bruce Strong Q&A. <laughs> it's a Q&A, like Q&A, <laughs> yeah. which I'll go like, yeah, John, you take that one. <clears throat> right. That one, no shit. Just sit there no high as a kite. I'm just going to be high. Yeah. Just know that. <laughs> just know that right now. Uh, what else you should know, everybody? I'm going to tell you right now. Where did my stupid session log go? Uh, go to beersmith.com. Brad goes all the time, right? Brad will oh, be yeah. there, Beersmith. He'll be there, yeah. So uh, definitely go to beersmith.com. First of all, go to beersmith.com. 21-day free trial. If you haven't done it yet, you're you, you're a terrible person. Uh, Brad cries. Every download that he doesn't get, he cries. He knows. He knows, and he cries. Um, enjoy it. You know, no. bring it into your, uh, yeah. into your brewing practice. And then when you're at NHC or HomebrewCon, go tell him that, number one, it's a great piece of software, because it is, and then uh, that you heard about it on the Brewing Network, because you did. And then uh, hug him. Hug him tight, but not too long. Good guy. Good website, too. There's other information there. He's not just selling his product. He's yeah. giving stuff away. Hell yeah, bro. Um, okay, this... Uh, what do you want to do? This plug for NHC was brought to you by craftbeer.com, dedicated to telling the stories behind America's small and independent breweries. Meet the men and women behind America's beer renaissance. Visit craftbeer.com. Do you want to read the South African brewery? No. Well, kind of. No, I don't know. Oh, that story? Yeah, like, it, it's oh, so the, the place is like not only, uh, it's called like Vale Brew or something like that. And not only did they name their beers like Filthy Brunette or Easy Blonde, but they went so far as to like write kind of backstories on them. And like, it just, it was just, it's, it's all too, it's a bit rapey. And I just, are they a small volume producer? Probably. That are trying to make a big name for themselves? And, and, and they even admitted that too. They even said that and they were like, you know, fuck, fuck, we don't give a fuck or I whatever think we it should is, give right? them any attention. No. I think they're way over market. <clears throat> and well, they got railed on social media, dude, for sure. Well, and, sure, um, yeah. Yeah, it sucked. And this continent is the Me Too thing. I don't know what it's like down there. Yeah, it's stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, okay, let's do our last live read, and we'll get out of here tasty. What do you think? You ready? Yeah, I'm done for that. Adam and Eve is determined to help you spice things up in the bedroom. Go to adamandeve.com. You get 50% off almost any item when you enter offer code BNARMY at checkout. For a limited time, you'll get the free Big O kit, which includes the Climax Gel. It's exclusive. I'm sure there are other ones in the market, but but at, they don't have the Adam and Eve one. And a mini vibrator. You also get your entire order shipped for free. So you can choose a new adult toy, a naughty movie, or almost anything else. 50% off, free shipping, big O kit. You won't find it anywhere else. Offer code BNARMY at adamandeve.com. All right. <clears throat> well, Warren is in Hawaii. Justin is in, I don't know where he is, Virginia, back uh, east somewhere. Probably Connecticut or something. Yeah. Wherever is Doc, I don't know. I went to his, uh, I had my dentist appointment. He wasn't even there. <laughs> He's bailing in too, huh? Yeah. All so right. uh, it's just you and me holding the fork down, driving the ship. Right. Well, and Bev this. too, but Bev left. Right. I don't think Bev knows that I'm ending the show right now. Oh. 
couldn't see that coming, huh? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, you know. Maybe she did. She just ran out screaming. Like, ah. I'm done with this place. Let's go. Uh, thank you very much to Mitch Steele from yeah. New Realm Brewing. Go to newrealmbrewing.com. Uh, obviously, that dude knows what he's talking about. And the beers are good, man. Oh, the, they're, they're good. legit. They're in Atlanta. Check them out. To be honest with you, we have uh, 30 seconds. Um, these were all crowlers except for the first two beers we had. And they held up. Oh, and when I got them, I emailed them. I was like, these are warm. They're warm beers. He goes, well, hopefully they held up. They, they held did. up really, really it's well. It's a good beer when you can heat them up and they still taste good. Exactly, exactly. So check it out, newrealmbrewing.com. Yeah. And, uh, hey, we'll see you guys probably next week. But if not, in Portland, see you. Later.